This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Kyle Nash joining us here on this uh, on this Wednesday evening. We wanted to we were thinking about doing doing this earlier in the afternoon. We decided to push it back to recording at night, so we got the women's golf uh, news to talk about. Which Bryce we were just really working around Kyle's schedule, really. Is what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and his and his uh, and his and his apparently uh, his his apparently steampunk computer that he's now working with, according to what he was saying earlier. <laughs> so my goggles uh, are in the corner. Yeah, yeah, it's a, you're wearing boots. You know, there's icy steam. You know, there's there's a can of oil behind you. You know, there, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about in this episode. And we're, and this, I feel like this is kind of like a a summer bridge episode. Where we're going to start to talk about some real issues and some real news stories, off season type news stories that are going to be that that have came down the line today. Uh, first of all, uh, reports from. Our good friend John Rothstein, that uh, that UCF Cincinnati and uh, Houston are aiming are are actually aiming for 2023, which you know we can debate about whether or not that's an actual sea change in what we thought would happen. I actually happen to think it is. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We will also talk about a story that broke uh, today on SI from uh, another guy who we really like, uh, Ross Dellinger about the NCAA's transformation committee and some of the big decisions that the NCAA is on the verge of making as it tries to push itself forward into the into the 21st century out from under the guidance of one Mark Emmert who is retiring. Uh, we'll also later on preview some NFL draft with Kyle. Which knights are going to get taken? Does he think are going to get taken? Does he think should get taken but won't? Uh, plenty of talk about that. And then, of course, Eric Lopez with softball, Bryson with baseball. We got lots to, uh, cover up on the, uh, to, uh, to cover on that one. Um, tennis, golf, everything, you name it. So let's dive in with, uh, this news from, uh, that, that was tweeted, uh, or actually published earlier today, uh, and tweeted by, uh, our friend, uh, John Rothstein, who you guys all know uh, from basketball coverage, uh, John uh, stating earlier that uh, um, as I just want to get this right. OK, uh, news, Houston, Cincinnati and UCF are all planning to join the Big 12 for the 23-24 academic year. Now, you might think, OK, well, we were thinking that, but let's let's rehash the story again from the beginning, guys. Um, it wasn't that long ago that it was leaked that the American was seeking an insanely huge buyout from uh, all three of the schools who were leaving that probably would have locked them into that July 1st, 2024 date, which was in the original announcement uh, when those three schools, including UCF, announced that they were moving to the Big 12 conference that they would go there by July 1st of 2024. Now it feels like it's a greater than 50% chance that it's going to be that it's going to happen one year sooner, 2023, July 1st, 2023. Um 
Uh, Mike Oresco has said that there has been no such agreement yet. Surprise, surprise. Um, all the football people, Eric Lopez, are like, what are you talking about? We knew that would happen. But um, this feels like, you know, I feel like the the momentum, and Eric, I want to start with you. I feel like yeah. the, prior to today, I feel like it was more likely that they would push it to the limit in 2024. Now, based on John's reporting, it feels like it's more likely to be 2023. What say you? Yeah, I think Terry Mahajer even said this. Terry Mahajer did an interview he that did, aired. He did hint about that. Yeah, that's true. On Saturday night with our your friend Jamie Say on the WKMG locally here. And he said he expected something to be finalized within the next 30 days. I don't think Terry Mahajer is throwing that out there without knowing that, hey, we're pretty close to a deal, right? Like, you're not going to throw that out there if you don't have a deal. Also mentioned Ross Dellinger, and I always love when college football people do this. So credit to Rosting. He's the one that leaked the story. Ross Dellinger and other media college football people then jump in. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we knew this. And actually, what we're hearing, this will probably be done by next week. And I'm like, well, why didn't you just say so? Like, yeah, what why did you, didn't you report what, it? Like, where yeah, the hell were you? <laughs> yeah, like, like, what are you guys waiting on? Like, so I give John Rosting credit for writing something. And I think for journalism, people forget this. Just because people like you, me, Kyle, you know, might know this stuff, the general Joe fan doesn't. Like that, you know, people might have forgotten. You like this is yeah, this is to... the line. This is the line. And forgive me, Eric, but like yeah. this is the line between like informed speculation and actual reporting, right? Because I think we all and on our group chat, Drew, who's not here to defend himself, and I'm gonna flame him anyway and pull a Kyle Nash. I expect Kyle um, to defend him though. They're they've grown closer today. <laughs> Drew, we were all debating this, and Drew was like, well, of course everyone knew that. And I'm like, actually, no, we didn't. There was no reporting that said that this was actually in the works at all. You know, everyone we definitely, just assumed, we definitely, right, we assumed. Everyone just we, assumed that right. it would be because, based on the fact that, or based on the opinion, I should say, that you know, we don't, we, these schools don't want to be in the American any longer than they have to, and the American doesn't want to mill around any longer than they have to be. But John did some actual reporting here, and says and and is act and to this point is actually confirmed that yeah they're really actually working on this and that's what they're aiming for and I think I think you're right that's like we have we now have hard evidence rather than hearsay they, right things are going well it could have been easily they could have told him hey man I think we're stuck here for another couple of years I think you know what I mean like they didn't say that so mm. I, I think this is good news. Uh, I'm not surprised, but it's good news. And we don't even know what the number is as far as what the buy, which is probably going to be the next step. It's all been hearsay stuff. But this is good news. If you're UCF, the sooner you, you know, the sooner you can leave, the better. Uh, I don't believe it's in any, anybody's best interest to hold the school longer than they have to. Like, if you're keeping Cincinnati, Houston, UCF for two years, well, how does that benefit the American? It doesn't benefit them at all. I've maintained. Well, it kind of does if you're if those brands are strong enough and those schools are strong enough in the respective sports that they're strong to at some extent. To but it, it's just it just creates a lot of awkwardness. You know, it's like a divorce. Just write the paper and move on. Don't don't hold out. Don't hold out for that extra mortgage. Okay, like just move on because you're just making it worse. Just move on. So I think that's where we're at here. We'll see what the final numbers are. But this is good news if you're a UCF fan, because I think, right, Kyle, if you're UCF, the, the I can tell you from a lot of the coaches internally, they're already pushing the Big 12 narrative, recruiting mm -hmm. and all that, preparation. 
you want to get there as soon as possible. You don't want to have like, hey, wait a minute. I thought you said we were going to be there at this time. Wait, why are we? Wait, when are you going to the Big 12? What? So now there's clarity. This makes a ton of sense that that we're going to have some finalization on this in the next, look, sounds like few weeks here, if not sooner. So yes, but uh, is kind of where I'm going to go. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to, I don't often do a fence straddling here um, in topics like this or any, um, if I can avoid it because it makes for garbage radio, but in this, (laughs) we're not on radio. This is a podcast. So you're okay. They they can't see my air quotes. As I say that, by the way, this is a podcast, not TV, nor radio apparently. So with all that in mind, um, and here, here's why. Um, I don't blame fans or other members of the media for feeling like they knew it already because this is the narrative that's been thrown out. And at the very least, for those that have any seen, not just Oresco, but anybody, I can even go back as a, a good, most, uh, a good semi recent example, you know, Drew Brees' con- contract negotiation. Uh, for extension with uh, the Saints a number of years back. They always say something. They always imply that the, 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 the end is nigh and try to sway that old public opinion this way. And, and Oresco has done that in the past. And I'm not saying I have a problem with that happening, by the way. But um, all the posturing we've seen um, hasn't really deterred the fact that everybody, even going into um, – Hoops Media Day has been talking about planning for 2023. Uh, right. Abe, Abe told you basically that was her expectation uh, that they were going to the Big 12 at some point. And one of your media, one of the media availabilities uh, that, that they were, that's their expectation. She told that in some of the conference tournaments. So I, I see what you're saying. However, until it's done, you don't know for sure. I'll well, give it over exa- till it's over. Because well, like like the Joe Buck, the big broadcasting news this offseason was Joe Buck's going to ESPN. There were so many reports about him going to Monday Night Football. But until it actually was done, though you didn't really 100% know. Things could go haywire sometimes. Remember, it things can happen. So, yes, I know what you're saying. That was the majority said, yeah, we're probably going 23 but you don't know how Mike Oresco was going to handle this. Was this going to, you know, what if negotiations went south? What if it or, went or north? Or Elon Musk buying Twitter, right? That's, well, gentlemen, you know, I'm going to tell you both I'm going to hate watching movies with you because I even set the table with a damn <laughs> foreshadowing and you didn't let me get to the part where I agreed with you guys. <laughs> One thing we did get from the reporting in question is confirmation. So if people do feel like they knew what this guy knew or, sorry, portrayed already, I don't blame them for thinking that. But there's some value to updating and say, hey, all that ish they said they were doing, they're actually doing it. Here's the proof. I can see that. Do I personally see value in that? Not really. But in a world where we're in the offseason, everybody's anxious and watching this that closely, you know, I, I don't I don't discount value in confirmation. Heck, I wish we had more of it in air quotes journalism out Amen there. Amen to that. Amen want to, to have that. the conversation. Amen. Right. So, I agree. I agree with that. Um, there's some there there. Um, I'm not quite as skeptical as my good friend Drew, which is often the case, but I do <laughs> I do see why he 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 is um he's he's feeling like he didn't uh learn anything new. It's not so much there it's less that there wasn't it's less that there wasn't reporting done, it's less that there wasn't reporting done and more that there wasn't as there wasn't new, it was just confirmation. Like 
I think the example given in the very same conversation is we still don't know anything about divisions and layouts, or even if there will be divisions for which them. we might might find out more in the next week when the Big yeah, there's Twelve been meet. Nothing but speculation about that too. Of course, really. but the point being, uh, the point made was it's it's not done, it's not done till it's done. Um, we let's put it this way: I'll feel more comfortable when those concrete details start coming out. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, of well, course. Yeah. But but yeah. the fact that there's positive news instead of like, guys, this looks bleak. It's really bleak. Like it's yeah, good. Instead of like, you know, sources sources it, it, within the three schools are making preparations and, for, and, for and let me just say 2023 right. 24 right let, you know? yeah and let me just say this john rothstein's audience is a college basketball audience so while this has been a football like a lot of the football people might be aware a lot of basketball people are not aware and this is a huge story in the basketball landscape about the big 12 the big 12 is a marquee conference in basketball football eh, but basketball it's arguably the marquee turn conference in the sport. So this is a big deal you're for them and from that Premier standpoint. Yeah, yeah, you're adding people to the Premier League. I hear yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to ask ask you about, Eric, too, based on some of these details. You know, I think everyone was throwing around the idea that the buyout per school of thirty million dollars from the uh, to uh, to the American from UCF, basically uh, from UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston each. And that that kind of felt like a poison pill. Um, the twenty seven. The, remember the AAC's bylaws state ten million dollar buyout fee, twenty seven month notice. July one of twenty twenty three would be twenty two months. Do we have any idea about the buyout or what? Because uh, Rothstein didn't provide any no. I think there. I think on that. No, I think that's. I don't think it'll be as high as it's been out there. I think there's some. Remember, Yukon paid seventeen. Yeah, to apples and oranges. Right, right. Uh, different apples and oranges. I think there's a lot of it's different. It's not though. Yeah, oh, UConn... it absolutely is. Hold on, no, I can't. How? how wait, wait, wait. How? How is it apples and oranges when they left much earlier? Yeah, and they all that. But their value is only in basketball. They have no value like the other. There these you teams. go have value in multiple sports, including, all right, you got football, basketball, but you also have a situation here. Wait, you like, can't add value in men's, women's basketball and baseball. No, baseball, nobody cares. Uh, it, what, is, what are you talking about? They won. Great. No, but here's the difference. That's not going to bring dollars and cents the value up that significantly, whereas football and basketball does. I mean, listen, I'm the biggest guy supporter of college baseball, but football basketball runs this stuff. All right. <laughs> Kyle's got a smile on his face. He's looking at him. He's like, I've come to the dark side, but <laughs> we have cookies. There are subtle differences here with UCF, for example. They bring value in football. Houston's basketball and football. Uh, Cincinnati, you could say it's both football and basketball. We'll see. But there's also some uh, interesting uh, relationships that might continue. UCF, for example, the men's soccer situation. Do they stay in the American? I think that's part of this, too. You know, it's not like you're getting a complete breakup like you are with UConn. With UC, the American might still have a relationship with UCF moving forward. If Cincinnati lacrosse stays in the American, they still have a relationship. So I think that is helping overall in the negotiations, whereas the UConn thing, that was just like, get the hell out of here. Addition by subtraction in that deal. Yeah, yeah. exactly. 
What about uh, the possibility of UCF, BYU, by the way, is joining in 2023. Mm -hmm. Um, Houston and Cincinnati having a crossover year or two with Oklahoma and Texas. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. Again, that I I don't think I've I could be proven wrong. I've maintained that I think everybody will be where they need to be by the fall of 23. And the fact that Bob Bowlesby is stepping down, I think the Big 12 will have a new leadership that will use some common sense to everybody over there and say, guys, let's go ahead and write a check and let's part ways. There's no reason for this to continue well, for multiple well, years. Suppose, supposedly Texas is prepared to do that, but Oklahoma is not. That's all like, that's all, that's Texas trying to throw shade at Oklahoma. Don't buy into all that stuff. Well, Everybody's. Well, even with that, Elo, that doesn't mean that that they even have to schedule any of these new uh, new added Correct. teams either. I have Correct. no reason to believe, and I'll stay with football just for this example because I think more people will understand this. Yeah. Do you mean to tell me if that er- there is a crossover year as such that Oklahoma is going to schedule UCF or Cincinnati? Come on. Well, that, well, 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 no, that's that's not their call. That's the I conference's mean, call. Uh, okay, but I maybe it is. But somehow I doubt it's going to happen. Call me a cynic. Mm, no, I, I, I think. Well, that, they're I not think the to, Well, when they when they make the schedule, they would love to put but, Texas but, and Oklahoma against no, the new teams. I disagree. Just, disagree. Just to see if they. No, no I think I, I think they would because they because there's potential for for one of them to get embarrassed. No, I disagree. You know what I'm talking about. I agree with Kyle and disagree with you on this. That's this is why the teams that want Oklahoma and Texas are the old guard. The old guard is the one that wants them one more freaking time. That's Texas Tech, the Baylors, they're going to tell They want to stick it to them right up the ass one more time. That's they're not going to give the new kid on the block that pleasure at all. They're not going to do that in football, to Kyle's well, point. But, the other sports is different. See, here's where I disagree with you, because if UCF plays Texas and beats Texas, guess what? Guess what? That's good for the Big 12's brand post-Texas doesn't matter like that's not yes the point it does no, no no that's not true yes no, it does it, t- it tells everybody hey these new guys are are, seri- are serious texas tech could care less going to be just no as good. no texas tech what? wants to play texas baylor oh, wants to play texas tech, tech wants to play they're well, you can't play, play texas, everybody i guarantee right. you I i'll guarantee you ucf cincinnati and houston would love houston i know for houston, a fact that's different a now that's different now that's yeah, different I'm not, I'm not even bringing houston up because i don't think they would view houston as a threat let me let me get in and, and get back on the therapist's couch and, and kind yeah. of because here's here's what i think jeff what you said is absolutely correct here's what i think elo is saying is while what you said being 100 correct i don't think um or at least, well, actually, I agree with him in, in this his concept. I don't think those old guard teams would be willing to trade a shot for them to do it. Thank you. Else. And remember, you're going to play a nine Mountaineers, but I'll leave it at that. Very fair, fair point. But the only play nine you really games think in football. Kansas wants to get their butts. Yes, the yes, schools. because they're going to. Yes, because they bring uh, money when the Oklahoma comes to Kansas. It's a full house when. Cincinnati goes to Kansas, it's not going to be a full house. So guess what? You only can play nine games. Remember that. Nine-game schedule in the conference more than likely. No, but no you- I'm talking about but – but I'm not talking about Kansas playing Cincinnati. I'm talking about Texas or but, Oklahoma but playing my Cincinnati, point is, UCF, if, BYU. Yes, but my, but my point is if you're Kansas, 
you rather get Oklahoma and Texas first one more time. You're not going to let, hey, we'll take a pass so UCF can play them. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. They'd rather get a chance to 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 get that one sweet bit of vengeance on the they, way out yes. or the revenue Correct. than watch UCF embarrass them. Again, or, 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 or even Cincinnati, I'll say, because of both those teams. And, Jeff, I, again, I think you're right that if that happens, it is good for the Big 12 brand. And maybe the individual schools won't have the, what's his word, push to kind of defend whether or not that happens. But I don't think the, um, the conference would allow that shot to the new guys in lieu of keeping the incumbents happy but they may not they may not have a choice based on based on just how the schedule works out like yeah there could be logistics that's a good point you know i I think we're getting we're we're we're, we're kind of getting in the weeds here of a lot of hypotheticals that i personally don't think is even going to happen uh because i think somebody's going to step in and write a big check and make this go away so espn anybody <clears throat> what? Okay, but Ooh. now, but now, okay, but now we're back to the speculation part of it. There's no reporting that says no, but that's the next step here. It's the next step. This is all steps here. Everything's got to get done report- by. <laughs> if it's reported that ESPN doesn't, we haven't learned anything. Right. Well, well, here. Yeah. Well, remember, let's go back to what John <laughs> Rothstein wrote, which is Texas and Oklahoma are both planning to leave the Big Twelve and join. This is John Rothstein. Both planning to leave the Big Twelve and join the SEC for the twenty five twenty six academic year both are foregoing two years of revenue from the big 12 in order to make the move texas and oklahoma must join the sec during the same academic year yeah as of now join the big 12 in 23 24 and texas and oklahoma are still in the conference there'll be a 14 team league for both football and men's basketball for two seasons 23 24 and 24 25 until both texas and oklahoma join the sec in 2025 so um, as long as the UCF's in it, who cares? Like that's, it's in the conference's cares? best interest to hand the toughest school uh, schedule to those two schools on the way out, Oklahoma and Texas, in order to put them as low in the rankings of the conference as possible to make them I, that, as you say. Doing I that agree. Doesn't necess- yeah, doing that doesn't necessarily mean UCF or Cincinnati on those schedules. But again, you got to remember. Oh, oh, wait a second. If that's oh, the oh, case, then neither of them are going to play Kansas. Let me tell you that. Again, this is personal. <laughs> this right. is personal to these schools. I'm just, I'm telling you, it's personal. And right. it's just, there's a lot of, it's just, this is not, hey, let's go be fair and balanced. No, it's like, what's in it for me? And we're not, the new kids on the block aren't going to get their first, hey, can I do this? No, it doesn't work that way. It's like when Kyle joined the Banneret, you know, he had to follow some rules. He couldn't just jump over Bryson. Bryson had some needs, you know, Jeff and, you know, that's just a pecking order. That's I all. Didn't kick, I didn't kick Drew out of the dang Bright House press. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You got to do a pick. Yeah, you want you wanted to. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, that so we await to see what the what the news may be on that. Uh, and you know, John uh, and credit to John Rossi for doing some for doing the legwork on that. Now, there's mm-hmm. some other things, and so I think this was actually really interesting um, in terms of an off season story. This is something that we're going to have to follow, of course. Earlier this year, the NCAA voted to provide more autonomy to. The, the relative divisions within it, Division One, Two, and Three. What would that result in? A lot of people have been speculating about it. Again, speculating. Well, now we have a little bit of reporting done by Ross Dellinger, who uh, Eric flamed earlier in the in the show. Um, 
This is uh, uh, the NCAA has created what they call the Transformation Committee, uh, a group which, according to Dellinger, is a group of high-ranking college leaders charged with overhauling and modernizing uh, NCAA governance, and they are considering revolutionary changes some administrators describe as "quote radical" end quote. Reading some of these changes, I don't see them entirely as radical. I see them as like, duh. Like, why wouldn't you do this if you're going to do some changes? Um, Dellinger specifically mentioned five things that were discussed. And I think actually all five of these are good. All right. Number one, eliminating scholarship caps on sports that offer only partial scholarships, which, by the way, is most of them. Uh, these are what we call in the business the non-headcount sports. What are the headcount sports? It's sports where your entire roster is on the scholarship. Headcount sports, and what are those? What are those sports? FBS football, of course, men's and women's basketball, women's gymnastics, women's tennis, women's volleyball. Those are headcount sports where the scholarship limit is absolute, uh, and the uh, number of athletes receiving awards cannot exceed that number. Now, for, now that means that baseball, for example, uh, is a non-headcount sport, uh, and so and it has and the limit in NCAA Division One is eleven point seven scholarships. Obviously, there's more than eleven point seven people on a baseball roster. So we could see uh, the entire roster if for certain schools be scholarshiped up. Number two, abolishing the limit uh, the or excuse me, abolishing the limitation on the number of coaches per team. We've talked about this at length, Eric Lopez, about baseball and softball. Uh, Greg Lovelady at UCF has been a uh, a uh, a vocal advocate for uh, for an yeah. additional coach. Now you could see many more more, more many more than one coach uh, additional coach for baseball and several other sports. I just want to get to the other three because I think these are interesting. Number three, expanding direct payments from schools to athletes. That sounds very vague. Not really sure what that means. Um, Number four, I think this is real. This is probably very much in the works, and we've talked about this before with regard to football. Reconfiguring the recruiting calendar. I think mm-hmm. the early, you know, we've talked about the early signing period and how the coaches initially wanted it, they got it, and now they, and now it's like, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. And number five, which I think we all agree, you know, I think coaches want, I, I think administrators want it, and I think we all agree this would be good. Number five implementing closed periods in the NCAA transfer portal. So, what do we think? I'll go ahead and, and, and step in on, on one thing. The only okay. thing that, that I would I would give hard no to, like the, the, there's one in there that's just incredibly vague, and I would say no on the strength of that. I think you were mentioning it was... Um, the oh, direct payments? Yeah, that I would need more detail on that. That I don't is sticky as bleep as written, and I'll leave it at that. Um, the one I I would I would not really want to expand on is the coaching limit. But the thing I would change is um, leave a limit for football coaches because that's getting kind of out of control, and it's another avenue through which money can be funneled. As I've said of the SEC, it is the best conference in the nation because they have the best college football that money can buy. Um, and we've seen that with the NIL and uh, the last thing they need is some other avenue through which, um, they can get more personnel that isn't necessarily connected to the team, connected to the team, if you catch my meaning. Um, but as far as the other sports, I'd say, let it rip. 
um, that's really my one, or I guess two big objections as far as what I read there. If I may, Kyle, uh, hold that thought. A uh, paragraph here from uh, Dellinger. Restrictions on athlete, quote, compensation, benefits, and awards, end quote, is another area in which change is coming according to a transformation committee slide shown to athletic directors and obtained by SI. It might include expanding on the $5,980 checks many athletes receive as a result of the NCAA's loss in the Alston case. Schools are allowed to provide education-related benefits of such an amount. Some programs like Ole Miss are distributing checks to athletes who meet a not-so-tough criteria remaining eligible. Mm-hmm. But that's it. I mean, listen, if they want to expand, if they want to expand anything fiscal to these students, medical costs is where I'd start. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. But if you're in a major conference, this is good news. If you're in the MAC Northeast Conference, not so good news. Hmm. That would be the way I would break it down. I think it depends on which sports you decide to invest in, though. I don't think the schools in the Northeast Conference can invest in anything. My suggestion to them is. My suggestion to them is get this term very, get used to this. You're at division lower level because this is by next decade, we're going to have a separation. And we're seeing this now little bit by little bit. Well, Jack Swarbrick, you know, uh, the AD at Notre Dame hinted at that. And it still feels again, like overly vague. It's like, what does that even mean? It means those St. Peter's of the world in the decade, they can have a nice run in the tournament in the NCAA while the real teams will have their own tournament. That's what that means, because we they will be in their own division two or whatever they call it. We're going to see a separation because no, everybody can't keep up with this. You can't keep up. It's just reality. Uh, well, here's here, here. Then here. Here's my next question. Where does UCF fit into that? Well, hopefully in the positive end and being in a bigger conference. That's the goal. And I think they uh, will see how that goes. They're behind. I mean, they would be the first to admit they're kind of playing catch up now to some of the major conferences. But I think. Terry Mahajer was on with Jamie Say, talked about what they're studying. They know what they need to do in the Big 12. One of the things that was positive about the, the interview with Jamie Say, there was so much focus about what he had to say about NIL and stuff. The big takeaway I had from that interview, he acknowledged that a lot of the Big 12 schools, the charting, charting uh, flights, not just for basketball and football, but other sports, that's what they're going on here. He knows what it takes, and they're going to invest in that. And... I think for UCF, for once, and this will obviously be influenced by the TV contracts and everything, but if they're making enough money, they'll be okay. But they're not going to be, to Kyle's point, they're not going to compete with the SECs of the world because, what's, what did you just describe the SEC, Kyle, once again? Oh, well, it's the best uh, uh, football conference in college football because it has the best college football money can buy. I would now argue to you, it's the best, co- it's, it, you, could, you could put that across a lot of sports in the SEC. A lot of sports. Wait until their new TV deal kicks in. And I think that's, to your point, them in the Big Ten will have a huge advantage over everybody else. But I think UCF being in the Big 12 will help because they can compete with the ACC. Certainly it's better than being in Conference USA, which is about to die, or the American, which probably will be okay, but not great. I mean, it is. It is. It's about, you know, the hierarchy. If we're being honest, the college sports landscape has been due for a correction for an extended period of time. Between, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it right now. Exactly. Between, you know, the, the cases involving labor, air quotes, um, for uh, college athletics to um, the way that, that, that the mainstream, specifically uh, football, 
um, you know, has has come under fire for how their committee acts, even though other committees, as uh, Elo reminds us on the regular, have been doing it and doing it wrong for years. You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. all that is is now that there's more light on it and, and all that's happening. And now that the NIL is a thing, market forces are starting to overwhelm anything the NCAA could do. In Folks, yeah. what it seems we like. finally the NFL has a farm system. It's college football. And now the guys are making money in there, rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we can we can have we the can, NFL doesn't doesn't have a farm system that it's paying for, and nor Correct. should they. They don't have to. That's the smart well, business. I disagree. Move. I I just they don't. Well, no, they, they, they don't want, have they to. Want to in, if they want to invest in the development of their product, they should be. They should. But they don't on have to invest they, in no, the development. They don't of their have product. to. Why would they? Like that'd be I like mean, that'd be like saying you know, hey, let's serve the NFL media like great hors d'oeuvres and great spread. No, we don't have to because you're going to come anyway. So it's smart business by them. I don't. I wouldn't do it either if I were them. They don't need also it. Also proves you haven't had food at Ray J. Bro, because they throw it. Oh, down. I have. <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm a no jealous. one cares about media spreads. Back to the original topic. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, I, 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 th- I, I think that the, um, you know, I, I, I do agree with increasing the scholarship uh, limit for those sports. That's more opportunities for uh, you know athletes who who student athletes who may not normally get the choice and have to make a decision that they don't you know that where they can't perform at the proper level. I, I don't know where UCF fits into this. Uh, I hope, like you said, Eric, it's at the top with, in, the, in the Cool Kids Club. I mean, look, um, honestly, I, I do, I do think some sports the they'll benefit, some they won't probably. Right. I mean, now, yeah. I, think that the, I think that the one thing, though, that I really am in favor of is having a, is having a transfer portal window. You know, and, and yeah. you know, right now it's year-round, and – the hard thing about that is that that makes it very difficult to keep track of. Like if you, if we're talking about data and I've talked about, like we talked many times about, you know, what does the data look like on the transfer portal? We got some data earlier this week about, um, uh, was it 42%? I think it was, uh, Kyle and Eric that, um, entered the transfer portal, landed at another NCAA institution, but that data is incomplete because at the time it was taken, there were more players, more athletes in the portal still waiting to go somewhere. And not all of them went to NCAA institutions. Some of them went to JC, some of them went to NAIA, that kind of thing. So so it's, you know, I, I think that that... From a journalism perspective, it helps us keep track of what's well, actually yeah. happening out yeah, that, there. Right? I mean, that, that's not important. What you know, we could figure. No, it, out. it is important it. because no, no, nobody because cares from a journalism no, what the media. No, is I'll t- no, I'll tell you why it's important. Because every play, there's no regulation on bad advice. Everyone who jumps into the portal thinks, "Oh, I'm you know, I'm the guy. Right. I can, I'll just take my stuff somewhere else." Well, you think twice about it when there's actual information out there saying actually the transfer portal is not the be all and is not the solution to yeah, all your problems. Yeah, but people, are, that's fact, not going to. You only have a forty-two percent chance of finding a new no, home. No, because we see this every year in basketball drafts. Guys are going to declare anyway, even if you give them the right information. You could tell them you got no shot to be drafted. Guys will Wait, always. So jump. You, what you're saying is that even. If, 
if we had that, that the numbers would still stay the same, that there wouldn't yes. be, it wouldn't be some deterrent. Correct. We saw this with Jacoby Glenn a decade ago. He declared when he had no, because an uncle told him it was the right move. Like right. Guy, guys will always get bad advice because what happens is you listen to either the wrong parent or the wrong friend or whatever, and you get mad. So let me join the portal deal. I don't think just putting deadlines is going to stop that. What the deadline will do is say, hey, you know, help the teams figure out what do they have for a roster. But guys will always, like Terry Mahajer, by the way, had this stat that he told Jamie Say in that interview. He did the stat. 1,104 athletes entered the portal in the FBS level, football. Only 35% found another FBS home. Uh, I think that will continue because guys will either, for various reasons, there's always going to be guys that don't play and aren't happy that are not playing. There's always guys that feel they can get there. Guys will always, Kyle, you know, this guys will always bet on themselves, no matter what you tell them. In fact, the more you tell them they shouldn't do it makes it more likely they'll do it just to defy out because they, they're that competitive of human beings. You know, I, I would love as a psychological, I hope someone does a master's thesis on, on the positions that are more inclined to do that. And, and where we'll see that because you better bet that they're going to be receivers and quarters and corner corners and quarterbacks that are mostly of that ilk. That's going to take it and do it somewhere else. Pardon my big man bias, but I say all of that to say this. I don't think Jeff's trying to tell you Elo that bad advice will disappear. I think he's trying to tell you that call it even only 5% will be like, huh? Maybe that's not a lock. My girlfriend's here. Man, I, really, I sure do like it in X University. Oh, for sure. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I think things will subside a little bit, but there's sure. always, especially, yeah. but as long as you're a court, for example, and I think I like where you were going with this, hmm. in each sport, like, for example, if you're a wide receiver, there's always going to be opportunities. If you're a quarterback and you're not playing, Parker Navarro, you're going to leave because you want to play. That's, the, that's not going to change no matter what you say because guys want to play. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think that's argued at all. And 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 if you if you have designs falling into the conversation about cats declaring when they should or shouldn't have, um, if the idea is to be seen by the league or a league, provided the USFL is actually successful and makes me feel bad about the AAF no longer being a thing. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> well, there's the um, CFL. I mean, one of the reasons why a lot of basketball guys are declaring is they could play in the G League. They could play overseas. Oh, yeah. The, it, well, and, and it's different completely with basketball. Or, I mean, heck, if we're going to go to that end and open up other sports, hell, like the market and so soccer, if you're any good guarantees, you leave the U.S. Let's be real. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, right. But, yeah, yeah I, I feel like I feel like there's I'm, I'm again, I'm straddling the fence, but for good reason here. I think it's going to be more than a trace amount. But you're right, Elo. Bad advice is not going to go away. It's always existed in right. in football, and it's not going to stop here. Um, the the opportunity to make that bunch ton of cash is worth it to, to to treat it like a lottery ticket and take that risk. I totally get that. Um, but it's hard for me. They, they, two things are going to make it subside. A the data, uh, take that for data, as Jeff is saying here, and I think the other piece too is the novelty will be less of a factor and more cats will have used up their transfer opportunity quicker. What I think you're going to see is an air quotes sophomore slump because so many people did it early because it was new. And then the numbers tip back up. Let's talk again in year four, year five about what trends 
really are to see if this experiment the, is successful. The, the, the other thing that hit, that won't stop it is the tampering that happens. A yes. lot of a majority. Let's not. Yes, not only a certain amount, but, but that's, that's always never tampering. that's never been stopped. Well, right. That, that's what I'm saying. It's never been stopped. There's so, always like, going to be somebody that says, "Hey, man, if you bolt, you know, we got a spot for you." You know, mm-hmm. and then you know things happen. So it is what it is, man. You know, to each his own. Yeah. Well, Secret I swim. Mean, that's the way that that's the just, real world. Welcome to the real world. We are you know what the good thing is for us? Man, we got a lot to talk about over the next few years. I mean, you could also be Jalen <laughs> Robinson. You could be Jalen Robinson getting a ride from Lane Kiffin right now and put it on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, yeah, Jalen Robinson did it as but uh, but I, I will say this though, in Jalen Robinson's defense, everyone complains about the portal with him. He completed his degree at UCF. Absolutely. Well, and that's the one that people forget, Jeff. That's a great point. I think where you're going to see a lot where this will not slow down is people that get their degrees go to a different school, get a second degree, and get a new, fresh opportunity. I think their master's degree. Absolutely. By the way, by the way, that is a good thing. Absolutely. Guys, get further, getting furthering their education. Right. Let's not. Yeah, I think that's good. Right. That's a positive, like getting different skill. That's it's not the end of the world. If you go to a different school and experience it, it's 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 good. I, I sure. One bit of data that that isn't disputed, that's been true for decades, gentlemen, is that people with master degrees tend to make higher salaries, period, point blank, stop. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you had your master's, Kyle. Congrats, man. Oh, no, I don't. I'm just saying <laughs> it could serve you well. <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's it, this, you know, we're going to have a lot to talk about and it's going to get only more interesting, you know, come hopefully if John uh, Rothstein is correct, come hopefully 2023 when UCF moves into the big 12. So front row seat for the, uh, for the, for a wild ride boys. I'll tell you, can we just announce it May 15th? Could, so softball could host a regional. No, no we could be, no. We, could, we could be talking, you know, yeah, we, think about it. We could be covering. Can we St. be Peter's. members May 15th so we can increase our chances to host? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, However, we will talk about that a little bit later uh, in segment three. But coming up in segment two, the student of the game, Kyle Nash, is going to stick around with us to talk some NFL draft. Uh, who are the likely draftees from UCF? When are we thinking that? We'll hear them. I know that we'll. I know that we've kind of speculated on this from before, but now we're just hours away from the NFL draft. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, the student of the game, Kyle Nash, with you here uh, as we record this on Wednesday, April 27th. And as we speak, gentlemen, we are less than 24 hours as we record this from the 2022 NFL Draft, usually a big event uh, for UCF players. Of course, UCF a couple of years ago had the most players taken in its history. We are not expecting the same bumper crop this time around. I hopped on NFL.com and looked at their draft tracker, and you can take a look at the number of prospects that are in the system uh, uh, for the NFL. Now, this does not necessarily mean that this is all the players who may be taken from UCF, but I sorted it by school. NFL.com has only three UCF Knights listed in their draft tracker right now. Defensive tackle Kalia Davis. Of course. Offensive lineman Cole Schneider. Mm-hmm. Edge rusher Big Cat Bryant. That's it. So let's start with those three guys. Kyle, you've been keeping a close eye on all of them, considering that 
All three of them are linemen. I trust your judgment on them. <laughs> Which of those three guys is going to go first, and when do you expect him to go? Well, Kalia Davis is easily head and shoulders the one most talented at his position coming out. It's not close, full period stop. I could go on and on and do all this analysis and this, that, and the other thing. But as you mentioned earlier, this is not an NFL-ready crop as we've had in the past two, three years. You know, um, certainly in terms and, of in terms of volume, in terms of quantity. in terms of volume, absolutely right. And and I mean, a lot of it is you know from cats taking their extra year and 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 all the you know uh, other movement therein like for example i think if uh, jay flash had stayed around or rather had uh, graduated and didn't have a covid year um he would be on this board graduating from ucf just as an example there's been a lot of movement that changed what this year could have been whatever that's worth um i, I think in in davis's case of course the injury is the thing that's going to hamper him it's the only thing that doesn't make him a surefire um, second day pick in my mind, um, simply because that's such a, you can't teach size as they say, gentlemen, mm -hmm. Leah Davis has that and speed, which also is alleged. You cannot teach. So, so six one, 302 pounds is what he's listed at. Yeah. I mean, and that that's enough size to where you could be pretty versatile, um, where you could be a second, uh, defensive tackle, or they, a team may opt to bulk him up and try to use him as a nose. I wouldn't personally, just because he's so, uh, he moves very well. Um, if you're going to model the kind of player they're hoping for, it's going to be uh, a Hiloti Nada Indomitian Sue type. Obviously, not that good. Both cats are per per uh, perennial pro bowlers, for goodness sake. I don't think Davis is going to be that kind of an impact. But to have somebody like that on the bench, like uh, uh, Avita Vea, I think is uh, his name on uh, Tampa, the other defensive tackle, uh, not named sue um he's gonna he has the potential to be that kind of a guy that i think is his ceiling nfl.com uh lance zero line uh projects him to be round five through seven so day three like you were saying mm -hmm. uh NFL if he wasn't hurt he would be day two let yeah. me be clear NF nfl comparison tristan hill on another ucf night so. Yeah, um, except uh, the thing I hate about that comparison is uh, Kalia Davis, much more calculated, less uh, passion-based in his play. And we've seen the lack of discipline at times from him. I'm, I won't even bring up off the field, but on the field in particular. Yeah, Cole Schneider is listed as a center, uh, interestingly mm -hmm. enough, uh, from Fort Myers, 6'3", 309. Uh, NFL uh, against Zero Line has him listed as a priority free agent but it's not outside the realm of possibility that he gets selected given that size no oh absolutely and, and i love the part where he took snaps we talked about this um in in the uh pro day episode a number of weeks back here on the black and gold banneret um he took reps um snapping the ball you know in front of people as well so they, they could see that get off him being a utility guy only improves his draft stock Obviously, if you're looking for the kind of player he might be, this is going to be a Jeff Saturday type. Again, a perennial pro bowler. I'm not seeing Cole be that guy. But in a world where NFL linemen are getting hurt more and more on the regular, somebody taking a seventh round, sixth round pick, possibly to beef up the depth, depth rather of their line group. And maybe they'll see Cole as somebody who's a big guy that can move well enough that they could throw him in on special teams as well. Cole is going to do his thing as a utility player if he gets drafted. I don't think he does, but I've been wrong on other things before with the draft. I mean, listen, usually it's Drew that talks on this, not me. <laughs> um, 
I still trust you as an alignment. And this is why I, you know, the interesting case of uh, Big Cat Bryant comes up. Obviously a tremendous impact player Mm -hmm. for UCF and just a born pass rusher at the collegiate level. But the pro prospects right now from according to NFL.com are not very high. They gave him no grade, which says, and underneath it is a note says, likely needs time in developmental league. Fortunately, we have two of those coming online. At least as of this hour. At least as of this hour. Let's check back next hour. Let's check back. Well, the uh, well, Fox is Fox is committed for at least two years on the wink, USFL. Wink. We'll see. Yeah, that's what uh, they all say. And I don't think, and I don't think that uh, I don't think that the Rock is uh, is to be sneezed at either. I would love to see Big Cat Bryant play for an Orlando franchise in that league, but. Um, but there should already be an Orlando franchise in that league. I'm very irked. About I agree. I agree. In the XFL, with him, there's yeah. not. What? No, there's not uh, in Tampa. Upon oh, Tampa. Uh, well, no. Well, no. Actually, uh, well, about that. In the recent leak of who the coaches are, Terrell Buckley was named the head coach of what would be an Orlando franchise in the XFL. What? They did not announce the name of the franchise, or even I think that was almost like an accident that they came out with, but, um, uh, which, which leaves me. Concerned. It is like a wrestling, you know, it's a surprise the, running it's a... The show out there, but, uh, but, but big cat needs time to develop somewhere. Apparently. Do you agree with that assessment? So, um, with, with big cat, I have to take a bit of a flyer on him because I only really watched him close for a year. I, I did. I am not familiar with his work um uh, at auburn as i probably should be to make this analysis however when i'm what i have seen would be allegedly at his best state air quotes um as as a senior as an experienced player as a veteran hell as a captain uh on the defense and he has that problem that a lot of cats dubbed a tweener has um his speed is good but he's not good enough to be a speed guy he can't be a lacking a better comparison off the top of my head like a julius peppers type um, nor is he big enough to be a power guy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he's not going to be, you'd have to really see if he could do stuff in coverage. If he goes to the NFL, it would have to be as a linebacker. And frankly, while he is a good pass rusher, we talked about how, uh, much, uh, struggle the UCF pass rush had at the beginning of the season. If you're an NFL prospect, you aren't that quiet in getting sacks. Now, eventually that ramped up a bit that, but I think that's more because the defensive tackle position got more involved and drew, uh, drew in attention to the middle, not to mention big cat at times in huge moments, jumped, jumped off sides a few times too many. That's going to deter the scouts as well. I could probably find more things to bang on, but already scouts are, or excuse me, fans are going to be mad at me. And on the outside chance that Markavius himself listens to this, I'm sorry, buddy. This is just what we see. I think you're a fantastic well, guy. Yeah, it's nothing personal. It, it really isn't. Exactly. I mean, Kyle, you've covered the NFL for a long time. Hey, I, I mean, want credit for getting his first name right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, got, you just did. You just gave yourself credit. But this league, it's hard to make this league. And the NFL, these guys Correct. are so smart now that I don't. they don't need to draft him. They could sign him as an unsigned free agent. And if they want to give him a look, like these guys, it's, it's a tough deal, man. You, you know, from that standpoint, I agree. Uh, look at I agree. How, look at how I, tough it was for guys like, you know, for guys who were extremely productive in college. Adrian Killens is a good example. Like, it's... Nate, Nate Evans. I mean, he's been practice you know, squad. We talked... Things we like talked yeah, Nate Evans. I mean, Nate Evans is a, is a fantastic football player. Um, 
I'd, I'd want him on my starting 11. Um, God rest him, Otis Anderson. Mm-hmm. Another yeah. one, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he actually bounced between two teams. Uh, and then, uh, and, and you know, but then you got a guy like Jacob Harris who scouts see, you know, the physical tools and like, you know, we can work with something on that. Now it remains to be seen, you know, what, what Jacob Harris actually does as a player in, in the NFL in terms of production. But Jacob Harris also has a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, right. He could put that on a resume. I like that you used Adrian Killens and and Otis in these comparisons, too, because as as is with Big Cat, size was the issue for those guys as well. Right. Yeah. So which brings us to the wild card. Everyone in UCF land, myself included, I'm sure the rest of us include, would love to see Mackenzie Milton get his shot. And based strictly on his production as a college player at UCF prior to his injury. Nobody deserves it more than him. But like we, like we've been talking about Kyle, this is a bottom line business. It is, uh, it is, it is ruthless. And, and, and I don't even, and I think that's even a euphemism to call the NFL a ruthless business. What's what, what chance, if any, does Mackenzie Milton have of latching on with a roster you know um at one point his rights were signed to the cfl on the outside event he gets drafted this was years back obviously he was still wearing the black and gold i think this is even pre-injury as well i forget which franchise it was probably the argonauts i'll I'll look that up i'll tell you but go ahead and carry on um but that's to to prove to your point about how impressive his production was back when hell dark horse heisman candidate if you're to believe orlando media and how they felt about the icon. Well, and the CFL has a good history with quarterbacks that are not the tallest, not the biggest arms, but are mobile, i.e. Doug Flutie's arguably the greatest player ever to play in the CFL uh, as far as career-wise, Canadian Football League, whereas the NFL, eh, that's not going to cut it. Well said, Elo. Uh, even in an NFL where mobility is more important now than it's ever been. Here's the issue with McKenzie. People can look over being undersized. Please see Kyler Murray. People can look over having a very interesting arm motion. Please see Ben Roethlisberger. But in McKenzie's case, his mechanics were always pretty awful. Now, granted, he got the job done. No one's going to argue his heart. That's what the conversation, that's why we're even having the conversation. The dude made an inverted touchdown. That was a very important play on the road against Memphis in a a game that I believe was decided by a single point in 18, if I'm getting my year right. Correct. Um, But the long of the short is this, gentlemen. Um, I hated his mechanics before, and he relied a lot on mobility to bail him out. And that, under no circumstances, is gone now. Heck, I still don't think his throwing motion is as good as it was before he got hurt. And, and I, let me just clarify. Let me just clarify for on your behalf. You're talking just as a pro prospect. Correct. You're not talking about him as far as a college player, because college players have some. Uh, you could be successful and not have great mechanics. You could be a great player, not have mechanics. But in the NFL, that is pivotal. I mean, hey, you know, you can have you cannot have great mechanics and be successful. Please see Brandon Wimbush and Desmond Ritter. Okay, but. The at the end of the day with McKenzie, I don't see NFL on him. Um, I just don't. Um, and and as much as Elo likes to make jokes about Desmond Ritter being the first quarterback taken for his and whatever team's sake, I hope not. 
Well, he's going um, to be. He's probably going to be, though, because of the potential that, Jeff, you mentioned earlier, <laughs> NFL guys will go on potential. They always feel like, look at the athletic ability. Please see at- Mitchell Trubisky. I got you, home. Right. I agree with you. I was not a Mitchell Trubisky guy at all. It was ridiculous that he I'm got pe- t- t- right. we, We've also talked about quite a bit about how this year in particular is a very weak draft in Correct. terms of quarterbacks. But to Desmond's credit, he's worked himself to where he's probably going to get taken, if not late first, somewhere in the second or third round, and he's going to make money, man. And I, you know, all, a lot of our audience try to hate on him, but the guy is going to be in the NFL like many of those Cincinnati players are, by the way. I mean, it's going to be a tough night for us because you're going to see a lot of Cincinnati guys get drafted, including their cornerback who's fighting right now competing with Stingley from LSU to be the number one corner taken in the first round. Sauce Gardner. Yeah. I would love – by the way, by the way, UCF fans, I, you know how much I love you? I want. I would love to see Sauce Gardner in a Giants uniform. You know how big of a Giants. Wow! Y- y'all need that. a defensive makeover enough for that to be a thing. True. I mean, who, who's your last uh, big corner since Prince of Makamura? For goodness' sake, I don't oh, remember. Oh, <laughs> you're putting me on the spot here, man. Anyway, um, no, actually, well, Jabril Peppers. Well, he's a safety, but anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, I, I should add to a point um, that that you made in 2018, Mackenzie Milton's. CFL rights, Canadian Football League rights, were acquired by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They have retained his rights through, as of last check, September of 2021. Mm-hmm. So good on the tie, good on the Cats for for sticking for sticking with Mackenzie Milton if he decides to go north of the border. Um, that you know that is an option, and, and again, you know. Say XFL will. Orlando, right? XFL is an option. If no, the USF the no. USFL could be could be a very attractive option. Well, for that, as well. well, for that, for that those to are, happen, you'd have to actually those have teams jobs, outside man. of Birmingham. You would have to have teams outside of Birmingham to get an audience. I think the XFL would make more sense because we'll actually have teams in local markets. Orlando would make a ton of sense. He would draw. He would be a draw. And that's well, what I, well that, I, I should say in the USFL's defense, they are doing that only for the first season. Yeah, well, the one and only year they'll have. Uh, but enjoy Paxton Lynch, guys. His, his last 10 minutes of his pro football career. But Ouch. <laughs> I agree. I'm going to finish the thought. Davis is the only one getting drafted, right, Kyle? Um, if, we, if, if we made a prediction right now. I would say two players. Eric I'm, is asking you for his gunpoint prediction. I'm going to say two players simply because I have a streak of being wrong about where UCF players are going to get drafted. Or in um, the club. I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, I Jacob Harris in the fourth round. What? Nobody saw. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Um, uh, Trey Quan got drafted. Uh, Trey Quan Smith uh, got drafted higher than I thought. Mike Hughes got drafted higher. I didn't, first round? What? Did not see that coming. Not um, all that much higher. What's that? Not all that much higher than we thought. We thought they would go high. But you know, not I. I did not. Not not as high as they went, but fairly high. Well, I mean, I I thought I thought both guys were going to at least um, wait until second or third day, depending on which player. And I was wrong in both rights by at least a day. Um, You know, um, Trey Nixon, for example, another one I I I missed on. I didn't think he was going to get drafted, and he did. Good for him, by the way. Um, You know, um, I are we missing anybody, Kyle? Are we, or is there somebody who may get who may go that we're not talking about? Brandon Johnson? No, uh, I don't think he's going to go. I'm, I'm I'm kind of racking my brain. Um, 
and with yeah, it just I think the problem with Brandon Johnson is as good as he was for UCF and the NFL ranks, he's a dime a dozen. And um, for now, and the, the best thing about going to the Big 12, gentlemen, is having that power five title, whether it should or not, matters um, to the scouts. Well, and Gus is a good recruiter of NFL type talent, which and the yes, previous staff wasn't, quite frankly. Uh, so, are you all right? You said two guys who give me the names. I think I think if there's two, um, I my money would be on Kalia Davis, obviously. Yeah, agreed. And I think Cole might sneak in. Um, okay. uh, it would be very late though. Um, don't hey, maybe there'll be a center at Mister Irrelevant. You don't know. Um, but um, we take credit for that. So we had him before. on the show. You interviewed him. We had him on the show. Good banner at Karma for him, maybe. I mean, listen, brother. Uh, you uh, you you gave me credit for the women's basketball success, and then look what happened. So let's not tie my name to too many too many things, please. I think Abe would thank you. She got a nice paycheck out of it. Personally, she should better call you by her first name. At this, it hasn't point. happened yet. Now I'm sad. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> Golly. Uh, well, you know, there I I've have always been in favor of there being more options for guys to play professionally uh, in football. You know, we we're seeing that more in the NBA. Obviously, baseball's had it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to see it. And by the way, a couple UCF guys have actually made some waves in the USFL already. Marlon Williams. Seventh in the USFL in receiving. Had the All right, and then before catch. people tune out, people are going to tune out here. Novell just like, Clark that, just like the rest of the country has. No, you're just talking about yourself and projecting. You mean? That oh, you mean over else, the fifty percent of the audience do. that's left the USFL already? That'll be dwindled. Uh, and then by also, the end of the year. and then also, uh, hey, Jordan McRae out there, you know, also with the Birmingham style. So two UCF guys on the Birmingham team. So that's good. All right. Uh, NFL the rock, draft, the rock, baby. It's all about the rock. NFL draft starts Thursday, <laughs> prime time. That's round, Eric. That's round one, right? That's Only right. Round, round one. one, yeah. The round, round one, two baby. and three on Friday night. Rounds yeah. four through seven on Saturday during the day. I wish they would go back to two days. That ain't happening, brother. That ain't happening. The NFL I know. is. I, I know it's they not. They are. But... The people are going to watch in droves now. The first round. It's been a big success. Credit to Roger Goodell. I wish they put. I wish they had another round oh, on the geez. first day. I really do. Oh, we do okay. need to end the draft at some point. Training camps around the corner. Come on. I mean, yeah, they, well, they expanded start... it from two days to three. What are you complaining about? I don't need that on the team. I ha- we have lives. Kyle has a family. Like you know. I mean, yeah, that's so I do I? I, yeah. I don't need. I don't need two rounds in one night, brother. Listen, I'm exactly. already. I'm already hosting the Everyone, NFL draft. Everyone's already as, the kids are already asleep, Kyle. What are you talking about? Listen, I'm already hosting a draft show for Nuts and Bolts Sports. I'm not trying to be up that long, bro. I have work the next day. Okay. Amen. I hear you. <laughs> so do I. Hey, Apparently okay. not. You're watching the USFL. Maybe if you stop watching yeah. that, you have more time. According you know? to Elo, you're not going to watch it anyway because nobody Dude, cares, right? I'm fu- yeah, exactly. Yeah. I won't be watching for sure. I got work to yeah. do. I'll be on the air. Nobody cares about you. All right, oh, stick around. When we come far. back, uh, we'll talk about the thing that Eric actually does care about, which is softball. That's right. Um, Only well, one of us spoke to Bryce a committee chairperson. Bryson will be here to talk about baseball as well as golf and that's right. Only one of uh, us tennis. just spoke only one of us spoke to a golf head coach that's leading her team to an eighth regional in eleven years. I know. I know. And hey, It'll basketball transfers, right? Yeah. We'll talk about, we'll talk about a little bit about about that as well. 
Kyle Nash, the SOTG. Kyle, you want to stick around for the last seven or you got to dip? Come on, Kyle. I mean, listen, it's already prime time. The kids and my wife are all probably asleep already. I mean, I can See, do this is why This is why I end up watching more footballs because everyone goes to bed early in my house and I got nothing to do. So I just put on I only watch US more NFL. football when I listen to Kyle talk football. Oh, That's the key. Uh, well, that, yeah. Listen, man, all this butter. Could I you be any more disingenuous? Stick That's around. my boy. Kyle's my boy, man. Come on now. We got sticker. We both. I mean, we got some friend, mutual friends that. Uh, well, we'll leave it as that. You really do. He's not All right. Wrong. Oh my god. <laughs> Can I end this segment now? Stick around. I'll be right back. This is the Black and Gold Banner Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banner Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Kyle Nash, and joining us now, Bryson Turner, to talk about uh, the world of UCF sports outside of football, basketball, and rank speculation. Well, we're going to hit on some basketball here, too, and a little bit of football. But um, some quick transfer news. Johnny Dawkins and the men's basketball team picked up two transfers this weekend. Michael Durr uh, and uh, Terrence Suggs. Is that right, right, Bryson? No, Brandon Suggs of East Carolina. Uh, um, Michael Durr, former big man of USF. He transferred to Indiana last season. Didn't get any time as a starter. So now he's coming to UCF where he's probably going to be Johnny Dawkins' new big man after him. Former USF bull, by the way, making the so that's, proper yeah, that decision. Makes, that makes Michael Durr the, the Drew Glukoff of uh, college basketball, having been at both places, huh? <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, it's true. He did cover both. I'm just saying. I'm just gonna. I don't think, Kyle, I don't think I mean, he would appreciate you reminding him of that. Is the thing. Attend <laughs> both. I'm just saying. Uh, and uh, and so, but to, uh, you know, two guys who have experience in the American front before. Suggs, I think, is interesting because you know he's a six six forward. Um, everyone's going to talk about Dirk because he moved up from USF to Indiana. Didn't get any playing time. Seven foot guy. He's coming in as that center to replace, ostensibly. Zhang, but you know, at least we have some guys coming in and hopefully filling some holes in the roster. But you th- we think we're probably going to get a couple. You know, I, I would imagine that Johnny Dawkins is trying to chase after one or two more, right? Oh, especially with with what isn't in the cupboard by comparison, too. I mean, obviously he's going to be looking for you know a, a hot hand scorer type. You don't repl- you don't replace Darren Green. You just hope to kind of make up for it, you know. Um, but. Well, PJ Edwards, I think, is probably the guy who's going to fill that or, or take that take those that role if that you role, an outside yeah, shooter, six four two guard type, right? Right. That, but I mean, you know, this group needs playmakers, and as much as we do like uh, uh, DJ Darius Johnson, I mean, and while you know our good friend Drew is loathed at times, where Darius Perry would hold the, hold the ball a little too long or a little too often. Uh, we need a guy like that that can slash and attack and 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 be versatile from uh, all all parts of the court. And can DJ be that guy? Sure, but I would argue um, there's still more that's necessary. And your guy CJ Walker still in the house so far, so that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point too. Uh, also on the football side, uh, Bryson Chris Mole from UAB, a linebacker, joins in now. Kyle, you we we talked a lot last week in the uh, spring game show about, you know, the lack of depth at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Well, in comes Mole, who, you know, had a season short, uh, season shortened by injury. Uh, but in 2020, he uh, had 59 tackles, two sacks. 2019, 103 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, and 
nine sacks. This guy was very productive in his career. Big kid, too. 6'2", 215 pounds. And with Kadeem Leonard also leaving, you know, from that linebacking core, at least here's, here's again, momentum in the proper direction in that position, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, you, you mentioned his size dimension. That's exactly what I want to hear from a linebacker. Um, and, and frankly, if injury was what limited him um, in, in years past, um, I, if he rehabs well enough, man, listen, of course, he's going to be a welcome addition. And honestly, maybe his 80 percent um, is better than freshman. At least he knows where to be as somewhat a veteran of the college game. Right. I mean, he was all CUSA in 2019 and 2020. I I honestly could think that he could have easily achieved that again if he didn't get hurt. I mean, he only played in four games. So, right. I yeah. mean, I would say it's a bit of a gamble on Gus's part, but I mean, I think that if that if this is something that works out, it's going to work out really, really well. Yeah, I mean, the it's it's the, the chances are better than a lottery ticket here for sure, Bryce. And you make a great point there, absolutely. And it's like I said, it's all about how he rehabs and stuff. But listen, they would have had to at least work him out, uh, or or not work him out, but seen something that made him think he could recover well, right? And and I mean, if you're saying yeah, it's a risk. Well, every transfer is a risk. You know, I mean, it's... um, oh, right. Over and above normal, I think is what Bryson's getting at. Sure, I, 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 any transfer is a risk, both for player and uh, both for player and pro- program, both for king and country, right? Um, but to the point made, um, in the spring game and the lack of depth, you know, we we had um, we we're talking about guys that have left and stuff. Listen, the biggest damage has already been done. And if you can get an all-conference player in the house, you're already upgrading something, even if it's just a little bit, right? Yeah. All right. Um, looking for more transfers over the summer for Gus here, because especially at linebacker, I think I think we're pretty good on offense, like we talked about before. Um, you know, maybe one more wide receiver, but I, you know, I, I think that overall we're actually in pretty good shape. Pretty good shape on that side of the ball. It's the it's the defense that I think is probably going to need um, some help there. All right. But you make the uh, point. Gus is working the transfer portal. And as I said on Twitter, when you call Gus a boomer, it's not about his age. It's about he and his staff's ability to make booms happen with these oh, transfers. Oh, come I'll on. That one was too easy. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a flag on that one. What can right. I say except you're welcome? Uh, I'm throwing uh, – and now I'm throwing the hat, too, on that one. <laughs> um. Let's talk, about card, UCF softball. Let's, let's talk about UCF uh, softball here. 39 and 11 are the Knights. 11 and 1 in conference, Eric Lopez, after they take 2 out of 3 at Houston. Lost 9 to 8 in their last game. It was their first conference loss. Um, you know, it, people, it was their, it's their first loss actually since April the 3rd when they lost to uh, Virginia Tech. Um, here we are on April 27th, so it's been a while. But uh, let's take a look at where they are in the RPI right now. Still at 15. couple questions. about uh, Everyone panics, and it just drives me crazy. They Did this loss to Houston cook UCF's chances of hosting a regional? No, it didn't help. It's actually a bigger significance from a conference standpoint. That's where we're kind of losing that perspective. If they, you know, they're going to play at Wichita State in two weeks. They're hosting Tulsa this week. In two weeks, the conference title is going to be on the line. 
UCF currently has a one-game lead over Wichita. If they would have held on against Houston, let's say, and then you sweep Tulsa, let's say, and or you cancel out whatever uh, Wichita does at ECU, you would have a two-game lead going into Wichita, which means you only have to win one game there to win the conference title outright. Now you have to win the series there outright, which is not going to be easy. So you've made things a little more complicated. Obviously, that from an RPI standpoint, that's UCF's first loss of the year against a team that has uh, worse than 50 in the RPI. So there's a there's that first, you know, quote, blemish. I would point did out. That, you, did that hurt them, though? They're still at 15, though. Yeah, but they could have been 13 had they swept them. Uh, 14, which right now... Would that have made a difference? Big difference. Big difference. Because now you got LSU right up here, you know, chasing you. You got a couple other teams chasing you. Who knows? I actually spoke to Sandy Atkins at the committee chairperson this year for the softball committee. I did that on In the Circle on the Monday edition. You can check that out. We went into detail about this stuff. And the issue that UCF has right now is that the bottom of the American is killing them. They don't get any benefits of playing East Carolina and Memphis uh, or Houston to some extent, while a team like LSU and Georgia, which Kyle has referenced earlier, is the best conference money can buy. Correct, Kyle? I want to make, make sure. Best, I was saying football in particular, but I won't tell you your it's own. The best conf- uh, it's the best uh, softball conference money can buy. How about that? Okay. Uh, add that to the pre- repertoire. And they're going to take advantage because every time they play, they're going to play a team in the top 50. So that's what UCF's up against. That's why if we could actually just kind of speed up this Big 12 thing and just make this official by next week, and just say UCF's a Big 12, I like our chances to host That'd better. be great. Now, I got to give Kyle credit. because I was frustrated with the Sunday loss, and I was trying to figure out what happened. And Kyle, in, in talking to Kyle, I saw the light because he made great point. The Knights wore the Citronaut blue carnival jerseys on Sunday. That is oh, the second. In really? fact, yes, UCF is now 1-3-1. One, and one. I mean, one and three wearing those jerseys. They were no hit by Virginia Tech. They lost a doubleheader wearing that against Virginia Tech. They barely got by East Carolina in those jerseys. And now they lost to Houston. I think Kyle's on. To, I, Kyle, you're right. I, I, I'm on your side. We're not even adding the fact that baseball got destroyed wearing those jerseys against East Carolina. Bryson was there. He could confirm that. Clearly, these Citronaut Carnival Blue jerseys are not working in the spring sports, Kyle. You're right. You, car, you, that's Canaveral. Whatever. The, Get him out of here. Uh, Bring back the black and gold. We should say. We should. We should mention though, Eric Lopez, that in the fourth inning, UCF had a seven to one lead on Sunday. Yeah, it hurts. Trust me, I watched it. Well, I mean, the pitching. Yeah, you know, I think there were some pitching decisions there that they probably wish they had back. Four errors uh were committed that didn't help and uh you know you're uh, in that park when the wind's blowing out 15 to 20 miles i've been there a million times uh the ball's going to fly so that's right. well, that six, six games to go the last yeah. three at home senior weekend coming up against tulsa friday saturday sunday at six four and noon respectively all games on espn plus this is your last this is your last go round for the season right to be determined okay Okay, I see. So, and then, and then, like <laughs> you said, at Wichita, at Wichita State before the conference championship, May 12th through the 14th. Obviously, Tulsa right now in the standings are not very good. Four, six, and one. Third from the bottom in a seven-team league. Um, you got you got to bust out the brooms here, right? Yeah, except one thing. It's Tulsa. That's never easy against Tulsa. Anything no. that Tulsa uh, in our in our defense, 
to be fair, we're playing them at home this time. Yeah, that really helped. Play them there. Yeah, that really helped out football in 2020 there. Uh, All that happened is the bounce house. We're not talking about football. We're talking about. I'm telling you, I'm just saying, don't take them lightly. That's all I'm saying. Don't just one game. It is senior weekend. uh, So they'll honor the seniors. Also, let's make a note here. Jada Cody in the Houston game made history. Three-run homer in that game. 60 RBIs for the year. Her and Stephanie Best are the only two players in the history of the program to have driven in 60 runs or more in a season. She's tied for second most ever with 60. Stephanie Best is last year in 05. She drove 60. Steph has the record from 03 Mm -hmm. in 66 RBIs. Keep in mind, Steph played more games back then. They played more regular season games back then. Now they're capped at about 56. But back then, they could play up to 70 games. So Jade is actually faster to 60 uh, from that standpoint. But big congrats to her who continues to have this monster year uh, and was shafted by a bunch of imbeciles in the USA softball committee that voted for the top 25 finalists because nobody has more incompetent, idiotic people in the sport, in any sport, than softball when it comes to voting. Eric Lopez for committee. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you very uh, much. I don't, I don't, I don't know if rants like that are gonna are gonna help his candidacy. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I, I'm just, you know, just from a PR so we'll see, we'll see. I think UCF from a from a hosting standpoint. Back to that point, they're gonna have to, in my opinion, have to probably win out uh, because you got to be including the conference tournament. Probably because again, the SEC teams, in particular LSU, Kentucky, and Georgia, are three of the teams they're chasing down. Uh, they're going to keep improving the resumes, playing the last part of the regular season and then the SEC tournament. And this is significant because, as, and, and again, this is important that people have to understand. If the committee will seed one through 16, there's no criteria. Sounds familiar, Cal? Okay. A little bit. A little bit. Because, you know, everybody tells me that the other sports are decided on the field. Uh-uh, not true. So they're going to pick their 16 teams. And then what happens is they don't seed after that. You know, they put all the me- the information of all the teams and their resumes into a computer. And the computer, which again, this is an NCAA thing. The NCAA has the 400-mile radius rule that me and Jeff have talked about for millions of years in these sports. It is not the committee's job that does that. It's the computer. Well, here's the problem that UCF runs into every time they're in this freaking tournament. Florida and Florida State are really, really good at softball. Like, really good. Like, national title contender good. So they're going to host. So when UCF, you know, there's 16 sites, it's going to be heavily weighted that UCF likely goes to Gainesville or Tallahassee because the computer spit is, is processing the info to say, well, we need to make sure that we have certain amount of teams bussing on this tournament because that's what under the, the guidelines of. And so the committee looks bad because it looks like they're doing a terrible job seeding. But in reality is it's the computer. Hey, this is where they fit. And that's probably what's going to happen to UCF if they don't host is probably more than likely, unless the computer gives us a miracle, will probably be busting in Gainesville. And Bryson and I have already making plans for that. So aren't we, Bryson? We're excited for that trip, aren't we? Oh uh, yeah, I am. I'm very, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to, ho- to 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 hopefully do that. We'll see what the plans are, but hey, if it's if I'm free, oh, then I'd Bryson. love to do that. 
Bryson, you are so you are you are so wet behind the ears. Being he's got family members there. Well. I mean, he can yeah, make it. Yes. Yeah, no, I yeah. look. Then, I will say this. I once how, went. How excited will you like, be? Back when in you high go... school, I once went to Gainesville for an FHSA playoff game where my high school was playing against Beholtz High School, and that was a fun time, even though we lost. That's so I am not above going. To this is an entirely different experience. Let me tell you from personal experience, okay? Because when you go, when you have to go to Gainesville in the NCAA tournament again and again, yeah. But for him, it'll again, be a first time. I'll show again, him the robes. I'll show again, him. I'll show him where again, the robes are. Yeah. And again, and again, it going. gets pretty. You know, it gets pretty, pretty frustrating to say the least. Gentlemen, they they refer to somebody who's a novice as green. Yet there's a precious stone out there that's green known as jade. And Jeff Sharon here is very jaded. Will you stop it? Will they, oh, my God. Jeff should be happy. And Jeff should and be happy. Golf, Jeff should be and happy. And his golf his... Jade a Cody. Oh, oh wow. Bryce, he's taking a page out of Kyle's uh, material playbook here. That's pretty impressive here. Well done, Nightwing. <laughs> no problem, Batman. <laughs> So we'll see what happens. Let's take no. care of Tulsa and all that. He's not even married, and he's making dad jokes. The uh, uh, it tells you he spent a lot of time with Kyle covering basketballs. Uh, well, let, let, let's 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 reel this thing back in for UCF softball here. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. ESPN Plus. Eric Lopez. Oh, wait, UCF has a chance with their next win to be the second team in the country to win forty games in a, uh, this season. Oklahoma is the other. Just saying. What? Uh, how many times has UCF softball won forty games? A lot. About eight, nine times. 50, I have to look 50 is the magic number. 50 right? is the record. 2015, uh, 49 right. and 2008. Those are the two benchmarks. But they, this team's having a hell of a year. Honestly, I didn't expect us to even have this conversation at the beginning of the year. I did not think they'd be in a position to be even talking about hosting. They have been a surprise team. And, you know, credit to the staff and the players for that. I think they've exceeded, to me, expectations. They were a third pick in the conference. We didn't know how good the pitching would be. Kamal Woodall, one of the seniors who was a transfer from ECU, has been a marvel, has been a co-ace. You know, Janisha Rowe is a leadoff hitter. I mean, Jade is just blossoming his monster year. I mean, it's been a fun year. And look, they have a lot of metrics in their favor. No team that's not in the Power Five that's won 10 or more games against the top 50, which UCF currently has 12. They've always hosted. UCF UCF actually could go down if 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 they're – if UCF does not host, they may claim they may they could have the claim they are the greatest non-power five team ever, never to host. That's how good the resume is. Interesting. Mm. But we're not. Oh, that one away, committee. Take right. that for data. We're not even. Base, you know, we're not baseball. even done with it yet. Yeah. Baseball. <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of teams that are uh, heading down the stretch of their season. Four conference series left for Greg Lovelady's team after a a a, a, a fantastic weekend uh, at Wichita State. <clears throat> they sweep the Shockers, uh, score eight runs in two of the games and sixteen in another one. So a thirty-two run weekend for UCF. Uh, <clears throat> against the Shockers on the road in a place where the wind just blows out like crazy. And now comes uh, the big weekend for UCF at home against Tulane. Now, how big is this right now for UCF baseball? Well, the sweep of Wichita State launched UCF into a three-way tie for first place with Tulane 
and ECU. Now, UCF got swept by ECU earlier this season, um, but they faced Tulane at home now. Um, wrestling night, Eric Lopez, on Friday at one, uh, at 6. Uh, Citron oh, on listen. Saturday at 6 on yep, Saturday. It's huge. And bark me- at the park on Sunday. It's a huge weekend of well, events at UCF baseball. Well, I could care about this, but let me tell you this, Bryson, right now. Eric doesn't no- like dogs. Well, I don't care about that. Friday night, Bryson. Like I said. Bryson, Friday night is the biggest assignment of your young banneret career. This is it. It's wrestling night. I heard Greg Lovelady. He was on with our friend Mark Moses on. He broke down what Friday night. All the wrestlers are going to have, all the play- baseball players are going to have walk-up songs with wrestling themes. There's going to be the KWO shirts given out. Your are job, we have Bryce- some get some special guests in the house. Maybe? Absolutely, absolutely, Bryson. Your job, the most important job, you need to write down every walk-up song. You need to tech tweet who are the wrestling theme musics, which players, what is Les Bodeker's wrestling walk-up song, what is Jeffrey Pena's walk-up song, who, what is the rest, what is Greg Love? I'm gonna actually hope if softball. God, I wish we have softball and baseball separate. Why do we have to play at the same time? Because I would be out there right now in a Steve Austin shirt covering the game with you, Bryson. But this is the biggest game of your career. Don't let me down, Bryson. And don't let Brian Murphy down either. He's going to be watching you. Oh, boy. All right. Do you want you want me to do the, you want me to tweet the lot rock the walk up songs live? Or do you want me to make a list and a list and do it once they're all played? I want them tweeted live. Live. I want a gif of each band. No. <laughs> each wrestler or wrestler. All right. Folks, as the managing editor of this site, I just want you to know this is what I deal with on a daily basis. All right. And you, you know you love us, Jack. You back. know you love us. Listen, I'm going to be on the air while this is going on. Murph's probably working. You know, he's probably snorting baseball games like left and right, watching a million <laughs> baseball games at once. We need those tweet updates because I can't see it. I won't be there. I'm dependent on you, Bryson. You're my eyes. Bryson, I want to talk to act talk with you about actual baseball right now. So UCF. <laughs> Yes, please. 106th in the RPI right now. I mean, the AAC is just having a down year in uh, in baseball overall. Um, and I'm looking for Tulane here in in the RPI. They're 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 pretty high. Okay, they're 52nd. Um, you know, at, at this stage, so that's you know that's a greater than 50 50 spot gap between two teams that are tied. Two of the three teams tied in the uh, in the AAC standings. So this is a this is a tall order for Greg Lovelady's team, and the injuries have been stacking up too. So you're where is where is UCF coming into this critical series against a quality opponent? Well, let's just say that I am particularly glad that they're coming off of a sweep going into the series, and that they're playing at home. Because we are in a completely opposite situation from where we were at the beginning of the season. Now, instead of the offense being needing some improvement and the pitching being lights out, it's the it's it's switched. The pitching has now been crippled by injury, and the offense all of a sudden just showed up and showed out against Wichita State. Shout out to Trent Taylor and Michael Brooks. Uh, they've been struggling a little bit this season, but they absolutely went off against Wichita State. Michael Brooks, I think, even got AAC Player of the Week, if I'm not mistaken. So, well, so, but 
Tulane is a is its own beast. They have Grant Siegel, who is has the second lowest ERA in the conference at two point one five, and then they have the two highest batting average in the conference with outfielders Ethan Groff and Jackson Lynn. So, as far as a team goes, it's actually quite similar. Um, UCF has a a full one run difference in ERA between Tulane, but that's with people like Connor Stain. And Hunter Patterson, and then there, and then Tulane is just below UCF in terms of batting average. So on paper, these feel like two very similar teams. But the problem there is that we don't really know what the statuses are of Connor, of Connor Stain, Hunter Patterson. You know, we don't, we're not really sure with him, with him. But Connor Stain wasn't wasn't at, out at Wichita, so I wouldn't be shocked if maybe the reason behind that was to rest him up for this this series because as far as conference goes this series is going to be crucial and you want to have connor stain for that props though to the bullpen who did such an amazing job against against wichita the way that it was it was just an offensive show down there but um but now you really need the pitching to show out for this for this game with two this series with tulane I'm looking at the schedule here right now. I mean, like I said, you know, and, and by the way, ECU in the in that RPI found them. They're at 55th uh, with Tulane, like we said, three spots ahead of them. And then UCF is actually in the hundred. So if UCF is going to get to the NCAA's, sweeping Tulane is not you know is not going to get them a high enough jump. I think in the RPI to get them off the bubble. You know, well, they're not even on the bubble if they. So it's going to come down to the conference tournament. So if you're Greg Lovelady, Bryson, do you just hold off for now? You know, you know, don't. I I don't want to say like you know. I'm not saying throw the series. I'm saying, you know, if somebody's hurt, you're going to be a little bit more careful about it in the regular season, and in the hopes that you have fresh arms for the conference tournament in Clearwater, because if you're going to get into the NCAA and extend your season, that's where it's going to happen. It's not going to happen this weekend, right? Yeah, you're right. But you know, you're right about that, but uh, you're right about that. That is another option there. I mean, the relief, the you, the using the bullpen strategy and just let the offense do the work did work out well against Wichita state. But my problem is, is that, it's is that Tulane I don't think is going to be able to go down that easily that easily I mean I told I, like I said they have the two of their players have two of the highest batting averages in the conference I mean it's I, I don't think love lady would want to just you know throw the series or anything because well, no, obviously, no, it's because obviously no. the higher seed you have the better time you'll have right. in the right. conference tournament now would you would you want to push Stain if you start him? No, do not push him too hard. If he says that he's if he says he's having a little issue, get him out of there because you got to make sure that you have him in the conference tournament. But if he's good to go, then you really need to put him here because a pitcher like Stain is a pitcher that can get you the get you the win here. And you can win the con- this league is wide open. You can win the conference, and you still get rings if you win the regular season title, even if that does not mean an NCAA tournament bid. And I got to tell you, if they somehow win this conference title, 
Greg Lovelady might be the best job he's ever done, considering all the oh, injuries. Oh my god, they, lo yeah. they lost Alex no Freeland and Nick Romano. I mean, we've been lost, right. we've been without Nick Romano for a while, but then they lost Alex Freeland. I mean, the injuries to this team over the course of the past two seasons are just mind-boggling. Like, what did this pandemic do to this team? Yeah, well, they've got as of right now twelve conference games left. Uh, at South Florida, at Houston, Cincinnati to finish out. Um, in addition to one, two, three non-conference midweek games, including a game at number two Miami on May the 11th. Uh, they play this Tuesday, uh, after the two-lane game, they play Tuesday at UNF in Jacksonville, which has not exactly been easy uh, in, in previous meetings. Um, last time UCF played there uh, earlier this season on March 13th, they lost four to two, so... Um, but here they are tied for first place and playing Keep winning conference series. Up. Greg Lovelady yeah. said in a radio interview with Mark, their, their goal is to win every conference series. Two so out so of three, man. Two yep. out of three. And so just far they're three, one idea, in conference series. Yep. And just to give you an idea against the remaining four teams in, uh, in, in conference, obviously Tulane, they're tied for first. Uh, that's the softball standings. That's not what I mean. Um, after that, one more uh, set of games at South Florida, who they swept earlier this year. South Florida's 4-8, and eight, tied for second to last in the conference. Uh, after that, at Houston for three. Houston is 7-5, and five, one game behind UCF, ECU, and Tulane at, at the moment. So tie, they're tied for fourth place with Cincinnati. And then, if, and then Cincinnati, who... Uh, UCF would finish the schedule with uh, on uh, in late May, who is like I mentioned, tied with Houston seven to five. So they're those two teams, Houston and Cincinnati, tied for fourth place, one game back of the trio of Tulane, ECU, and UCF. So that puts us. We'll right have there. a better idea after Tulane because Tulane's pretty good. This you know we'll, we'll get, but again, gotta go one game at a time and. Uh... Hopefully we give them the rock bottom this weekend, Bryson. The rock bottom. If you smell what the night's baseball's cooking, huh? That's the rock, for hey, yeah, every, Bryson. Gosh. That's just so you know. Uh, it's a crucial week. Is a crucial weekend for this team. And hey, if they manage to give to score earn runs enough earn runs on the lowest ERA pitcher in the country, then I I wouldn't count them out. I wouldn't count them out. Uh, moving on to tennis, disappointing weekend for both men's and women's teams. The men's team lost to USF four to three in the first round. Uh, and then the women's team also lost to USF in the first round, actually the quarterfinals of the, uh, American tennis uh, championships four to three. Um, obviously the loss for the men's team is devastating. Um, for the women's team, though, Bryson, uh, right now, th th that that may actually end up being more devastating because the men's team had a losing record. Uh, they would have had to play themselves into the comp into the NCAA's, uh, we believe. Now, they're going to get some individuals and doubles in there. But uh, when we talk specifically about the women, they may have had an opportunity to host slip right through their fingers. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, the good news is, is that looking at the rankings, they're ranked number 22 now as in the ITA rankings. And so the at-large is definitely going to be on, going to be on the table now. Um, the selection show, by the way, 
for women's tennis is going to be on May 2nd at 6.30 p.m. on NCAA.com. But um, yeah, I think that they basically lost their chance to, to, to host there. But I mean, I wouldn't be all that worried about it being on the, um, you know, this team has won a good, solid amount of times on the road. Uh, obviously hosting helps, but in the end, in the end, I think that losing here can be a really good wake up call for this team go for this team going forward into a in, into an NCAA tournament. All right, so what do we expect? And I want to take obviously the women's team. We do expect still to get into obviously you know considering you know how well they played throughout the balance of the season. The men's team. What are we thinking right now for them? Uh, we're uh, uh, team wise. I don't think it's going to happen, but individuals singles and doubles are we going to have some guys go all right well team wise ucf is ranked number 50 so they're, they're like they're the highest i would i wouldn't expect them to be selected but i i would be shocked if they were as far as individual as far as individuals go you have obviously you have the doubles duo of trey hildebrand and bogdan pavel who are ranked number 37 in the in the country so i think that very much is a possibility. The uh, rank number 44 is Leighton Cronhey and Bogdan Pavel. So I'm, I don't know how they would, how they would approach, how they would approach that. They have to pick whoever got in the the higher, the higher ranked one would get in. Right. Yep. I would, I, yeah, I would think, yeah, I would think so. But you know, the point, um, shout out to Bogdan Pavel, by the way, being a part of two top 50 ranked pairings. I mean, dang. So, and then also Trey Hildebrand is ranked number 89 as a singles player. Now, is that enough for them to get, get selected as an individual? Don't know, but nine, probably not. I'm thinking. But, um, so, but we, but we will end up finding out the selection, the selections for the individual tennis team, the 10 tennis uh, tournaments is going to happen on May 3rd. So it's the next day after the team selections, and that's going to come out in an NCAA in an NCAA.com press release. So I think uh, so, but bottom line is that more than likely we'll find out what the fate uh the postseason fate of the women's team on May 2nd. And then on May 3rd, we'll figure out what's how what exactly is going to happen with the with the men's tennis is the, is their season over are a couple of them going to postseason as individuals we, we will have to see but i mean it, it is certainly devastating to end up losing to usf i mean especially with men's tennis because that's the second straight time that they've done that and then and then you have the women and then the women's team it was just a shock to uh, it was just a shock to lose to them i mean it's a rematch so i can i completely understand why it happened i mean it happened but it's it, it's certainly a shock. Yeah, that Hopefully, a, that it'll was be a surprise. That was a surprise. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Let's move over to uh, golf. Men's golf uh, finished uh, in fourth place at the American Athletics Athletic Conference Championship uh, in Brooksville. Uh, three nights finished in the top ten: Teddy Titak, Donnie Trevally, and uh, Igor Eroshenko. They await their fate March the 4th is when the NCAA men's selection show um, takes place. However, we know one golf team is already in the dance, and that is your UCF women's golf team. They are headed to Ann Arbor as the number five seed in the Ann Arbor Regional, May 9th through the 11th. 
that broke earlier today. We're recording this on Wednesday, obviously. Um, one of 12 schools selected for that regional playing at the University of Michigan. Um, and, uh, and and this is good. Now, San Jose State is the one seed. There. Here's who else is going to be in that regional, the 12 teams. Uh, San Jose State, Mountain West champs, Virginia, Michigan, Big Ten champs, Arkansas, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Washington, Ohio State, Pepperdine, Big East champion Xavier, and Horizon League champion Oakland. So very competitive field with some very, with some quality teams in there, um, Bryson. This was uh, this was a, another big moment once again for Emily Marin, who just continues to uh, uh, coach her team to postseason action. Oh yeah, definitely. I now it, it's very interesting because and make sure you got you watched the post re, uh, the post selection interviews on the Black and Gold Banneret YouTube channel. Make sure to like, subscribe, and click the notification bell for up to date interview interview videos when they are posted. But one thing that Emily Emily Marin talked about is 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 mindset. She talked about how mindset was how mindset was very key for this because. In the American, they kind in the American Championship, they kind of stumbled a little bit. They kind of stumbled a little bit there, and it's important that they recover from that going into this regional. One change that uh, Marin actually said that she was going to do is she is going to substitute out Camille Banzette, who is an All Conference team selection. By the way, uh, Marin said that Banzette said herself she was kind of not on her game, and so and so they're going to substitute her out with Anna Laura Calado who has only been in four events this this year but she is, but she is a graduate tra- graduate transfer she has the the experience and i think that it would be a very a, a motivational factor will certainly be there because two of the two members of this team Alyssa Lamoureux and Laura Col- and Colado are going to be leaving after after this season and looking at this region looking at this regional i think that there's there is it's definitely going to be a very a, a very good chance for UCF to possibly do something. They faced uh, faced off against Arkansas this year, and they beat them once. They haven't beat Michigan when, and they've been in the same tournaments a few times. But I will say, but I will say this: the the way uh, the way the regionals work is that the top four teams advance on to the, ch- na- the national championship in the Scottsdale, Arizona, and two individuals from each region without a team. Mm. So even if the the team as a whole doesn't make it. Try and watch out for Tenrada Pitten, who I ju- I crunched the numbers on this. He, she ha- he, if she, she has to shoot a two thirty or below in order to break her single season scoring average. Now you might ask, what does two thirty mean? That is the, the number of strokes, the maximum number of strokes she can hit in order to still beat the single season. A scoring average record that Pitten already has from uh, from 2019-2020. 230 on a par 72 course is 14 over par. That's how much cushion she has on that. Hmm. So, I would so so if the team doesn't make it, I would just keep an eye on Pitten to see if maybe to see if she makes it as an individual. But that said, this is a very competitive field. And so, and UCF is number five seed. So I think UCF does have a, has a shot to be one of those top four teams that advance on to the national championship tournament in Scottsdale, Arizona. One last shout out to Emily Marin to um, the rain continues. Uh, eighth in the you know, last. Emily eight, Marin, back, back. Eighth, um, Emily her, Marin her eighth. Her eighth. 
regional appearance in the last 11 seasons. Uh, the Knights have made it as a team or sent an individual to every NCAA regional. This is the third straight NCAA regional as a team, excluding the uh, COVID-shortened 2019-20 season where they they wiped the uh, NCAAs for the uh, spring. Uh, and uh, last year they made the NCAA championships in uh, Louisville, tied for eighth out of 18. Um, and in 10 years, Marin has led UCF to six NCAA tournament appearances, two conference championships, and twice been the AAC Coach of the Year. So congrats to Emily. Congrats to the players on a job well done. And hopefully their season is not done yet. It's a good golf course. If it's, if it's UM a good golf, golf course, golf, yep. 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 Uh, 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 designed by Alistair McKenzie, by the way, which he, he does. If you don't know who that is, he designed the Augusta National Golf Club, which plays host to the Masters. That's who created the golf course that UCF will be playing at for the regional. It also could, it, it is familiar ground for Coach Emily Marin, who played her, who had her playing career at Penn State. So a little bit of yeah. a familiar yeah, territory for Emily Marin. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. That'd be fun. Uh, That'd be fun. Congrats to uh, to UCF Women's Golf. We'll be watching. Them. Let's see what else, what else we got. Anything else? Oh, hey, you got um, anything else in the hopper, Bryson? Well, one quick update with um with men's golf. So men's golf selection show, uh, men's golf selection show is also going to be nigh as uh, nigh as well. May fourth, uh, right? Yeah, uh, I believe yep. so. Yes, that. It, yeah. Yes, I had it up. I had it up, and then I lost it. I yes, May fourth, May fourth at yep. four p.m. on Golf Channel. Now, uh, does does the team have a chance of being selected? I don't think so. But, but, uh, I uh, looking at the golf stat rankings. Johnny Travale is Travale is ranked is is ranked on the on the on the golf stat rankings at number one sixty nine, and. If there is a chance that we see a UCF men's golfer in the postseason, we could see him be selected as an as an as an individual because he's usually been the one golfer to break out from this team in recent in recent years. So, um, so I would I would say just keep an ear to the ground on that. Um, I wouldn't, uh, but that is certainly a possible a possibility. Yeah. There. By the way, Johnny dropped a 66 in the final round in the American. Oh yeah, C- great comeback. Um, you know, it was it was 73, 72 in the first few rounds, but uh, but put himself in the top 10 with that with that 66 in the final round, which is uh, just fantastic. So congrats to him. Um, it four UCF nights finished in, uh, or excuse me, three UCF nights finished uh, below par in the American. Uh, with T-TAC tied for seventh, uh, the leading UCF night at minus six, and UCF as a team finished at minus six too. So uh, minus six yeah, no, getting like, you, yeah. you know, fourth place. Wow, <laughs> it was a really yeah. good tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, considering this team's standards, it was not a bad tournament at all. The, the only, the problem was is that the teams ahead of them, SMU, USF, and Houston just had some freakishly good performances in front of them. That's really all there was. It also didn't really yeah, help. SMU finished that, minus uh, 29. Minus 29. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's a great they have a good golf program there. Um they have a they have a, an individual in the women's team in the women's uh, in Kennedy Pedigo, but uh it also doesn't help 
that uh, Clement Charmison had, was 10 over at the Americans. So they were really hindered by a bad performance from their fourth player. So, and which really goes to show you how vulnerable a golf team can be. You're only as good as your weakest guy, weakest guy. And in this case, the team's weakest guy ended up being near the bottom of the totem pole. And that dragged them down a lot in terms of the standings. But that it's not to say that the team itself had a bad tournament. Again, they had three players in the top 10. The problem is that is that the competition just was able to step it up. It is what it is. So I would say, even if this is it for men's golf this season, I think this is a good note to go out on. I, I, I really do. As right. now, um, all, now, uh, I, I want, I want to extend some congratulations for the, uh, to the, the rowing team's third varsity eight boat who won two out of three races at the Lake Wheeler invite. So congrats to them. They have one more regular season event on April, on April 29th, on Friday, the Iowa invite. That's their last regular season event before the uh, before they have to go to the American Conference Championship on May fifteenth, it's a bit of it's a bit of a long gap there, Jeff. And then and then for track and field, they were split this weekend between Virginia and LSU. Uh, the distance runners were at were at were at Virginia, but at LSU, uh, Renaya Jones. A little update for her. She finished second place in the 100 meter hurdles, but one of the res- results there, um, first place in front of her was 12.55 from LSU's Aaliyah Armstrong. Kyle, you were talking about uh, the SEC being the best uh, conference money can buy. It, it works in track and field too. Um, also, congratulations! <laughs> also, congratulations to Latasha Smith who got uh, podium finishes in the 400 meter and the 200 meters. She ended up getting the AAC's weekly track athlete of the week honors. And then Ashira Collins finished second place with a season best in the triple jump, and she got field athlete of the week. So nice yeah, that's, work. That's pretty good. First time since 2014, since UCF joined the American in 2014, that they've swept both the track and the field athlete of the week award. So uh, UCF positioning itself nicely uh, in track and field. And with that, I believe they have the UNF up, in right? Yep, they have the UNF in. They have the UNF invite on April 29th and 30th, and that is their final regular season event before the American Athletic Championship on May 13th through 15th. So it's not just Renaya Jones this time. It's Renaya Jones and her. It's Renaya Jones and more with this track and field team, and I am very excited to see where they go. The only other thing that I would say is that the uh, UCF Athletics' Swords Awards happened recently. You can see the result. Um, all the teams posted the, uh, the their team's winners on Twitter. So congrats. Um, for example, Cindy Ball Malone of softball ended up winning coach of the year. You can see man, all they're, they're starting to, they're starting to copy the bannies, man. They're starting to t- like some of those award categories they've never had before. And I'm like, wait a second. They watch the bannies and they listen to the banny show hey, and they're they had a moment of our categories, man. What is they up had with moments that? Of the year. They had moments Lord. of the year too. Um, the male team, um, they were, they divided it between male and female teams. The male moment of the year was the win at the Gasparilla bowl against Florida, which I know Eric would disagree, would probably agree with me on this. Um, it's, it, it, you shouldn't classify that as a moment. You're saying that you, the whole game counts as a moment. We have a category for that, Jeff. We are much more uh, particular and much more specific on this than, than UCF Athletics is on this. Uh, and then for the females, the moment of the year was winning the track, the indoor track and field championship, which deservedly so. That team does deserve rec- recognition for what they did there because that was a really good conference championship win right there. All right. Well, 
bear in mind, we're going to eventually have the Bannies. I think it's probably around Memorial Day weekend. We'll see how it works out with UCF softball. Once all we we save our postseason awards for after all teams are done. So make sure you. Oh well, then uh, you got to be prepared for track. You got to be prepared for you track. Never, you never know. Night. We might have more. We might have more with Renee Jones, right? Or softball or baseball. There's still plenty to come. All right. Let's wrap this thing up here. Bryson Turner's at It's Bryson Turner. Kyle Nash is at the SOTG for the student of the game on Twitter. Eric had to dip out. He's at Eric Lopez Elo, and I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Uh, we have, uh, well, yeah, I mean, our spring sports are going to continue on, gentlemen. It's been uh, it's been quite the blast so far. And, you know, it, as we finish up here, um, in the spring, we have some big baseball and softball, Kyle, and I know that you're going to be keeping an eye on that NFL draft quite keenly. Oh, absolutely. The student of the game is not just a clever nickname, sir. Um, <laughs> listen, honor, joy, and privilege. Until next time, everyone, class dismissed. All right, and that'll do it for us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. You can follow us collectively at UCF Banneret underscore SBN. You can download this podcast, if you don't already, on Android and Apple devices. Just search for Black and Gold Banneret. Uh, we are part of SB Nation. Come fan with us whenever you want to right here. And by the way, we have that new comment system up on our site now, so make sure you check that out. We want to be our, you know, Elon Musk took over Twitter. We don't know what's going to happen now. So you know what, UCF Twitter Mafia? We have a safe space for all of us to con- to to congregate at Black and Gold Banneret now with some really, with really good commenting software. So I encourage everyone within earshot who follows UCF Sports, come on board, guys. Let's give this thing a spin. We're all here for you. Maybe it'll be the UCF Banneret Mafia. I don't know. One Maybe. can only hope. One can only hope. We'll have to yes, see how that turns out. But, we're, but uh, we are so thankful to everyone who listens and follows us on all of our social media channels. And, of course, that Black and Gold Banneret. For Kyle and Bryson and Eric and all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, I'm Jeff saying thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the NFL Draft. We'll catch you next time.